Welcome to the Heart Overhead podcast. This podcast is for those who seek to break free from programming, empower themselves, and embrace their own unique healing journey. If you like listening to real vulnerable stories and intuitive reflections, this is the place for you. I believe we are meant to live in alignment with our authentic truth, heal deeply, and with that, raise the frequency of an entire planet. When we get out of our heads and into our hearts, we are empowered to listen to our own truth, live freely in sovereignty, and constantly expand our awareness. Does that sound like you? Let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad you are here. I had the honor of speaking to Jesse, who is a financial healer, and we talked all about money wounds and the mindset around money and how we can really loosen our attachment to a certain image that we have of money in our lives and how it is holding us back and all that. Just talking about more resources and Jessie really shares about her own journey with money and her healing story. And before we get into it, I would love to share a little bit more about her. She is running her own business, Abundance Advocate. And a couple years ago, Jessie left her 9 to 5 accounting job and moved across the country without much of a plan, really. She shares about that in the podcast episode as well. And what could have been a transformative experience really became the catalyst for her own financial healing journey. And in divine timing, she learned about an industry called financial therapy, where the lines between personal finance and wellness were being blurred. So beautiful. She shares all about it. So inspiring, really. And instantly, a passion was ignited inside of her when she realized that there was this combination of the two. So she has her own journey with money wounds and all that money mindset, which really held her back from living her fullest experience. And since she has been on this journey of financial therapy and healing herself, she has married her financial background as a CPA with the beautiful teachings of various healing modalities she found invaluable on her own healing journey. And she now creates her own unique offerings, which is financial healing. Jessie is on a mission to empower women to relate intentionally with the energy of money to conceive a life of abundance. So good. It was such a flowy and really cozy conversation with Jessie on this podcast. She shares all about her own healing journey, very vulnerably, very inspiring, and how she really found her own path to marrying her finance background and those healing modalities like yoga, meditation, breathwork, and all that together. And I really love this conversation because she has beautiful advice and tangible tips on how to heal the relationship to money, how to get behind it. She shares about books and all that, as well as really talking about how she sees her higher self as this money goddess, which I found super inspiring. And yes, we also talk about her financial healing circles, 
which she hosts monthly and you can subscribe to her email list in order to get informed about that. I will share the links in the show notes and without further ado, let's get into this. I hope you enjoy. to another episode. I have Jessie here with me, which is super exciting because she is all about the financial healing. So I'm very, very just curious about your journey. And yeah, just for our listeners to kind of, I think we all have a story and like a belief around money and how that is affecting our own healing journey and just our lives in general. And it's just such a beautiful topic to dive into because it's really, really juicy and packed with, yeah, just everything that's going on. Okay, if you want to, yes, say hi and introduce yourself, Jesse. Hi, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. So excited to get into this with you, Selena. Thanks for having me on. I'm so glad. Yes. Okay. Well, I personally, because we have connected before, but I haven't heard so much of your like personal story actually as in one-on-one. So I myself am really curious about how you got into this whole financial healing world and how that worked out for you. Yeah, it's, it's, been quite the ride. Of course, none of this is what I could have predicted or where I predicted I would be. Um, but I did, I went to college for accounting. So I, I actually was undeclared first in college. I did not know what I wanted to do. I had no idea what I wanted to do or where I wanted to be. So I went in, I gave myself permission to go in undecided. And instead of really exploring, I kind of got nervous and I chose something that I was good at. I took some business classes. I had kind of an affinity towards business. Um, And then I took accounting classes. I was good at them. I liked the professors. So that's what I chose to do. I knew that it would be a very secure job. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what I went with. And I put my head down. I studied really hard. I had great internships and I graduated school with a job lined up, a place that I had worked through school, and it was a great international auditing firm. So I came out of school as an auditor, um, and I was promised great success from this job. Um, But like I mentioned, I had worked at this company already during school, and everything in me was telling me that this was not the place for me. This was not where I should be. This was, it wasn't an environment that I was going to thrive in. Despite that, everybody kept telling, also telling me that this is how I would gain success. And, you know, just put the time in now. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of hours. It was pretty grueling. But if you put the time in now, this is how you'll be successful later. So I kind of just put my head down and I listened to them and I didn't listen to myself. And I just put one foot in front of the other, went through the motions. And um, it wasn't until, this is kind of a theme on my healing journey, wasn't until that I got to a point where healing was undeniable. I just could not keep going on, my everything in me. So I, I kind of ignore the little nudges until- nudges, I wonder? There, there was several of them. I had, it- presented itself in health 
issues. So I had digestion problems because I carry a lot of my stress in my solar plexus. Mm -hmm. So I was having digestion problems. Um, I was about to sign a lease and it wasn't, it wasn't a smooth transition. It just, there was a lot of obstacles that I was just kind of like pushing through and forcing myself to kind of get to where I thought I needed to be. That again is another sign because now as I listen to myself and as I'm more open, I know that if things are happening smoothly, then that's a sign that I'm open, that I'm connected, that I'm kind of on the right path. So that was something that I just wasn't aware of either. Um, And then I was just, I was very lethargic. I was just moving through life in kind of a depressive state. Um, I would just wake up, do what I needed to do. I'd come home, it'd be dark. I'd wake up, it'd be dark. I didn't want to engage in my yoga practice. That was another big thing. Like I loved getting on my mat, but I was so tired and drained that even getting on my mat seemed like a chore. Right. So all of those things combined. Actually, I did a breathwork session. I came home for Christmas. I came to my parents' house for Christmas. That year I did a breathwork session. I was hysterical the whole time. There was so much energy moving through me. So everything that I had kind of been pushing down just started circulating through me. And luckily there was a really... um, a really gentle guide there. So he was helping me kind of process this. This was the first type of intense healing I had done. I mean, I I had a yoga practice and I understood that there was energy flowing as I was on my mat, but this was like a whole, a whole new world for me. So it was that moment where things started surfacing. And then kind of like when you do Reiki the few days after, things just keep, uh, awarenesses just keep surfacing. And so that's when I was like, oh, like there's a lot more here than just my job, but that's going to be a great start for me, for my healing journey. Like I've got to leave that behind. There's other things too, but that's a great start. Okay. So how long did it take you then from that breathwork session and realization to actually leave the job and make changes? So I ended up leaving my job four months later and I ended up ending a relationship two months after the healing session. And luckily a friend's apartment opened up. I was living with my partner at that time. So there was like some complications with ending the relationship and living with him and wanting to quit my job. It was, I almost just made like a, I made a declaration pretty much then. I was like, you know, the West coast has been calling me. I want to go there. So I made that decision. I was like, I'm moving there after there's what's called busy season in accounting. So I knew that once April came, I would be done with my commitment and I wouldn't be leaving my teams or my coworkers high and dry. So I'd plan to get my notice after that and then kind of tie up all the other loose ends in those four months. So that was pretty much my timeline. And Yeah, by April, I was packing up. I was going, I was actually traveling. I was doing um, a little tour around Europe and then I was heading to the West Coast. Right, wow. And when you think back and kind of like look at it from a perspective of the dissonance between what your heart body told you and what your head 
and maybe even others told you to do what was the right thing. And it sounds a lot like there was a lot, you know, kind of that mindset, it makes sense to take this path involved. I love the name of your podcast because heart over head is, is a lesson that I'm constantly learning. And it's a practice for me because I am very much in my head a lot of times and in making decisions such as that one, I was in my head, I was making pros and cons lists. I was trying to rationalize through it, but there was this deep knowing that my body showed me during the breathwork session, but also continued to show me those months after there was that deep knowing that I knew if I didn't follow it, then I was not on the right path. I was not going, going the, the way that my soul wanted to be going. Um, and I would keep having to like trudge through all these friction, this friction and, and my life would just be difficult. Kind of like it was when I was trying to sign that lease, like that is what would have continued happening. So I realized that it was time to let that wisdom and that knowledge take over and let my mind rest for a little while. Was it challenging for you when you had that realization almost like when you said you had that momentum with a breathwork session to actually go back and dial yourself down into that mindset of pushing through? Yes, I cried so, 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 so much during those months. And I had to do something that I wasn't really comfortable with, which was asking for support. I had, there would be days where I'd be sitting at work. And luckily I had one of my roommates, one of my best friends working with me. And I, you know, message her and be like, we need to go, like, we need to go for a walk right now. And I would just have to clear my head. And so she would just, you know, listen to me. And it wasn't even like, I had to figure anything out because I already knew what was happening, but it was, yeah, pretty much building up the courage to listen to it. And meanwhile, you know, being surrounded by the conditioning that got me to where I was trying to hold on to this vision and trying to hold on to the knowledge while being surrounded by the conditioning that kind of landed me in the situation that I was in. Totally. I almost, I almost envision it like a, as if you were walking in a dream state and we're just like, what is everyone doing? This is awful. Yes. Wow. And so then you move to the West Coast, I assume like Washington or California or Oregon or such. Oregon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. And how did that flow? And also, because I just wonder, because you had like such an intense time with the finance system, I want to say like a job in finance, how, how it took you to actually wanted to do this financial healing work and like what tools helped you along the way and how did that all come together? Yeah, so Oregon was was where I was starting. I had um, a family friend living there that I could stay with while I was getting my feet under me. And I moved there with the intention of not doing accounting work, like exploring and finding something else. But this is actually a big part of my journey with financial healing. I was in so much scarcity. So although if you look back at my Instagram and you look back at certain stories and I'll tell you, I loved Oregon so much, but in the back of my mind, I was worried. Um, 
I was, I'm used to part of my story is that I'm a saver and my success is tied to my savings Mm -hmm. and my self-worth is tied to my savings. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine that while I'm in Oregon, I I took, and I mentioned that I traveled too. So I, by the time I was in Oregon, I was out of work for two months and I ended up spending a total of eight months out of work. So you could imagine what my savings looked like after that. I would log on to my bank account and I would just watch it go down and go down and go down. So for someone whose story is I'm a saver and whose self-worth is tied to that number that I keep seeing go down and go down, it got me in a pretty dark place. So that's that put me in the scarcity mindset. And I ended up taking a job in California. And when I took this job in San Francisco, right off the bat, my I expressed this concern even in my interview with um, the hiring manager, I was like, I am worried because this is a really expensive city. And I've lived in Boston and that's an expensive city. And this is even more so. So I started off my journey with that job, moving to San Francisco in scarcity. And the beautiful, looking back, the beautiful part of this is that you see how much scarcity but then also abundance can permeate your life because my entire life, I then was in a relationship while I was there that was distance. So that felt really scarce to me too. I felt like I had trouble making friends. So my connection felt really scarce too. So everything in my life while I was living in San Francisco felt so scarce. And then it was after a year living there, just over a year living there, again, the healing was undeniable. And I knew that I had to make a change. I had to do something. I felt so depleted and I knew that there was more to life than this. So that's actually when I moved back to my parents' house, which was something that I never thought would create a safe haven for me, but that's, I was able to do that. I had, I could save on expenses, had no rent. And that's when my healing journey really started. That's when I was introduced to financial therapy. That's when I, once I started doing financial therapy on myself, I started integrating yoga, meditation, visualizations, those sort of tools that I had been cultivating to kind of get through that scarcity and that kind of depression that I was feeling. I started bringing that into my financial healing. And that's really how I kind of married the two. So financial therapy already exists, but I was like, I can enhance this with movement through yoga. I can enhance this with visualizations. I can enhance this with my meditation by staying open and connected. Um, And that's where my financial healing was birthed from that place. Wow, that is so beautiful and inspiring. So when I think of financial therapy, is that more so talk therapy or is it like somatic therapy? Somatic. So this particular one was somatic based. So the woman that I was introduced to this by, um, her name is Barry Tesler. She has a book called The Art of Money. She was a somatic therapist who started bookkeeping to make more money because as a therapist, she was not making ends meet. And then she kind of married the two. Once she realized she really liked bookkeeping and she realized that there's so much tied to money. She was like, oh, my somatic therapy could really help my bookkeeping clients. And 
you know, as I was reading that, I was also doing bookkeeping at my parents just because, you know, that I had just moved back and it was a really easy skill for me to lean on just to make a little bit of money. And I started to notice similar things with my clients. You know, I had um, sisters that owned a yoga studio and I noticed that personally their relationship with money was not great and it translated into the business. So as I was seeing, I was reading about it, I was seeing it play out. I was also doing the therapy or working through the therapy myself and incorporating other tools. So it was just this really nice picture of how how I basically reclaimed my money story and kind of leaned on tools that, you know, I've, I used in other parts of my life and was like, hmm, let me try them out specifically with my relationship to money. And let me actually relate to money. Let me not just think about it as this controlling aspect of my life. Let me actually, I read a book um, which presented money as an energy, which was transformative for me because I thought of money as just this tool and sometimes even like this bad or evil tool. Um, and once I started relating to money as an energetic entity, I realized that I had to be in relationship with it, just like I would be in relationship with friends Mm -hmm. and with family. And that there was an exchange and then it, you know, has to be a two-way street. Totally. Okay. That is so, yes, I love that. And um, what you said before that this, it all ties in back together because if you feel like you're scarce in money, which is one energetic aspect, you're also, it may reflect in friends and you're thinking, oh, I don't have any friends. I don't have any money. It's like abundance. It's not only about money. It's about everything. It's about well-being and health and social systems and all that. That is really powerful. And going into the financial healing, also what I just feel like, because actually my partner has is um, in an auditing firm as well. So I like totally can see what um, is going on. And what he really has, so is this really neutral view on money he literally sees it as a tool which i almost find is also really helpful because then it doesn't have this power over you when you see it as absolutely neutral and that's where i see his gifts in as well where it's just like you can just talk about it like that you can just sit down and open your bank account without having any emotions around it like i can't do that i just think that it is so needed this work of financial healing as you also said about the the bookkeeping and how it is coming up for people and all their stories and like their wounds back from childhood yet again and all that conditioning programming and what we what we went through hey absolutely mm-hmm. i think one of the most empowering lessons was realizing how much of my story was conditioning and were was not actually made up of my beliefs and then realizing that I actually had the ability to rewrite it kind of reclaim it and rewrite it so that's been a lot of my work has been re- rewriting and of course the serendipity and all of that is that 
I'm actually, while I started my healing was living with my parents who I got a lot of the conditioning from. So as I was healing, I was also observing and understanding where certain aspects of my story and beliefs and patterns were coming from. So I was able to like really compassionately watch them and observe them and also be more compassionate to myself because, you know, they're doing the best they can. And it wasn't my fault that I took those on. So it's been, I wouldn't have chosen to be here while healing, but um, it's been, it's actually been really great for me. Yeah, I was going to say, in the end, it works perfectly. Hey, you were placed in that environment for a reason. And even I want to add that even like your parents, they took it on from their parents and from their parents and from their parents. So it goes back so far. And it's this realization that you, there's no blame in that at all. It's just, you know, what we grew up in. And it also comes from, of course, all this family, but we're does that come from, from culture, from society, from all that, and also from traumatic experiences like wars and um, that where there just wasn't enough, right? And there was literally not enough. There wasn't any bread or anything to eat. So then you really want to maybe hold on tight to money because you're like, well, we don't know, maybe, you know, in a few years, there's um, there's going to be that repetitive pattern. And I'm also interested in ancestral healing and all that, because sometimes it's just inherited trauma. It's not even yours. It's just what you feel because your grandparents felt it. Yes, I did walk, um, do walk my clients through a lineage visualization. Um, so I'm not an expert on lineage healing or ancestral trauma at all, but I do find I rely heavily on visualizations because they've helped me in, in my healing. And so I do walk my clients through this just so that they can start to think about it because you're right. Like this is stuff that we've inherited. And, um, sometimes we don't even notice, we don't even know to be aware of it. So even just realizing that our generation, our parents, parents, we're living through immense scarcity. So that could be why our parents had certain behaviors and patterns around money. And that could be why we have inherited some, but we don't necessarily need to hold on to that. We don't need to keep that, but yeah, definitely bringing the awareness around the lineage um, and just allowing, I love to prompt. I also use journals and prompts a lot. So I love to prompt my clients to be independent thinkers and to really see like, holistically how everything is intertwined yes yes I'm so like passionate about that because that is sovereignty that is empowerment where you have the awareness to observe it embrace it with compassion and just again become the observer and not identify with it and then choose for yourself hey do you want to subscribe to that it's like with i always say those email lists that you at some point subscribe to and now you forgot about it and then you go back and you're like does this resonate with me even i don't think so unsubscribe and sometimes we just you know we just maybe we have a new email address and we don't even look back to all the email lists that we have subscribed to in the past with a different mindset and consciousness and so we forget and then we dig those up and I'm like, oh, oh, I don't even like that anymore. So and then we can bring in some more awareness and really consciously decide to what we want to subscribe to. Mm -hmm. 
That's wonderful. I do recommend that uh, we revisit our stories monthly, weekly, um, as much as as much as you're able, because life is so fluid that even the story that we even the story that I've been recreating, like that has changed since last year, since COVID. I'm sure a lot of people's have changed. So the more we allow ourselves to sit with it and allow it to be fluid and allow it to be changing, um, the better it's going to reflect what is resonating in the moment. And it, will serve us the best. Yes, I agree. And I definitely don't do it every week and I probably should. <laughs> every week is a lot. Yeah. I don't do it every week either. Not formally, but just checking in even. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What are common beliefs that you come across repetitively with your clients that are the main ones I want to say? Um, self-worth tied to earning is a big one. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a lot of work to be done around kind of breaking that relationship that our self-worth is dictated by earning and productivity. That's a big one. Um, abundance or money being limited is a huge one. I think unless you're relating to it as an energy, which is unlimited, um, it's been portrayed as this limited finite resource when it's not. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's a huge, huge one. Um, that can take a little while to, to sink in. Um, and then also being deserving of abundance. I believe I come from the belief that it's everyone's birthright to be abundant, but a lot of my clients feel like they have to earn it. Or maybe it's just not not in this lifetime. That's just it's just not one of their uh, gifts of this life. And so, um, yeah, kind of breaking down that notion that you actually have to do something for it because I believe that it's a birthright. Totally. So, yeah, like this concept of oh, you know, maybe it's just not for me. Maybe I'm not that person that makes a lot of money. Maybe it's just not who I am. And when you can easily, you always have the 50-50 choice, whether you want to believe it or not. It's so interesting. And I can definitely, definitely relate to that. For one, what often comes up too with my clients is you have to work hard in order to make money. So it always has to be a struggle. You have to work your ass off in order to receive what you want, in order to receive great money and abundance, or you have to sacrifice maybe family life or your own mental health or um, well-being, joy, in order to be wealthy and abundant in those ways. Yeah, I resonate with that a lot. I think in my first job, um, that was definitely something that was... Um, was kind of conditioning that I fell into was that it had to be hard. It had to be, I had to be working long hours and I had to be sacrificing relationships, health, mental health. Um, and yeah, that can be really tricky to, um, and it could feel really constricting to, um, kind of break out of that. It could feel a lot of times a nine to five is portrayed as the safest way to, have a nice life. And I say nice because mm -hmm. I think there's not unlimited abundance in a nine to five. Like you, 
there are promotions. You you can't just go to your boss and say, I'd like to make $100,000 more and here's my case. Um, there are certain steps in promotions, but we've all been fed this, this line of a nine to five is, is the safe way to do it. Um, so allowing yourself to think outside of that and to even just wonder about a different path can feel really, really scary. Right. How do you see that today, that belief that you can, or that a nine to five is the safest job you can, the safest way to make money? I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely been challenged over the past year, of course, um, because a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of companies shut down. Um, And also too, I, I do feel like our generation, a lot of us are self-employed and we're more willing to try that out. Um, We're also more willing, we're not, we're not deemed savers like millennials. It's the cliche that we're not good at saving. So that could also be part of it. Like we're not concerned with saving up for our down payment for our house. So that could be part of it. But, um, I, yeah, I think that narrative is changing and for the, for the better, um, there's a lot of, a lot of the books out there educating people on, um, how to get rich, like rich dad, poor dad is a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, those books always educate or or always are the, going to be the first to tell you that a nine to five working for someone else will never make you rich. So there's definitely knowledge out there that if you want to get rich, there's other tactics. Um, but yeah, I think that it's being challenged and I think a lot of our systems are being challenged and I'm glad that it is. I think change is good. So true. I agree. And with that being said, obviously there's always a time for the transitioning and all that. And you will know that, that it's not like quit your day job and start a business and you'll be rich. Obviously that's not how it works. Um, and like, it's only fair. And also there's a lot of people that are per a perfect fit for such a job, right. That really need that routine that need that feeling of like a frame for their life almost that gives them a sense of stability that is really comforting. And I think it's just, it just depends on who you are, but allow yourself to, to question whether this is your path and whether this is actually the best fit for, for your constitution, I want to say. Yeah, I speak a lot about intentionality in my healing. And um, I think that as long as you are being intentional and reflecting and giving yourself time to be introspective, then you'll, you'll receive the, the wisdom, the knowledge that you need. So, and you're right, that could definitely be staying at your nine to five if that's what's fulfilling and that's what's making you happy. Mm -hmm. Yes. And coming back to maybe your own journey, just to see how really what has been the biggest shift for you. You can also talk about experience with clients or whatever, if that is really something that stood out to you, but this path of the financial healing and what specifically has shifted into what, what it felt like, what it felt like for the environment, for yourself and that, because it's not always easy to change your belief system when you're still in the old environment and you don't have those new, super expensive, like out the box thinker friends and all that, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'll talk about my experience a bit. Um, it's, 
It was scary. I mean, I think for me, change can always be a bit scary, but what I try to do is instead of feeling anxious, try to feel excited. Um, and one of the first things that I did is I did reach out to a few of my friends that were self-employed and I asked them for support and I asked them about their experiences. So that was something that was really helpful for me in the beginning, but as I started on my healing, it's everything started shifting. So the feeling in my body was one of like expansion. So my solar plexus often felt really constricted and I could feel that opening. My heart was opening. I could tell just in my posture, like my shoulders were back more often than not. And I wasn't kind of like walking through life hunched over and closed off. Um, with that opening, I noticed more opportunities for connection, for um, like partnerships and stuff like that. Um, and I think when you have those internal shifts, like I said before, it's holistic. So it kind of permeates other areas of your life. So for me, my friends, my family, seeing how seeing this change in, in just the way that I was carrying myself or showing up in those relationships and in my life, whereas they may have been worried for me, or they may have been trying to convince me to sit, to stay in, you know, the safer alternative. It was undeniable for them at that point. Um, and that's when they really started to back me and be supportive. So that was really helpful because the way the way that I navigate changes in my life and I became a vegan, I want to say eight years ago. So that was a pretty radical shift in my life too. And at first I tried to force it on other people and I almost came from a, I came from like a God-like stance on it where I was like, what I'm doing is right and what you're doing is wrong. And I realized really quickly that that, that didn't work. Um, so instead what I did is I just lived my life the way I wanted to and naturally in doing so, um, people would ask questions and they would say, Hey, why are you eating that? Or why are you not eating that? And that's when I got to educate. That's when I was able to educate them and share why I was doing certain things. So I did the same thing with this. So all I did is moved through life the way that I wanted to, and that took a lot of meditating, a lot of visualizing to even know what I wanted because I was so used to just following a path and going through the motions. So, you know, really giving myself the time and the space to figure out what I wanted and then leaning into those tools and then just showing up like that. And that's what gained support from family, from friends. And that's how I started meeting more people, more entrepreneurs, more women entrepreneurs, more people that are self-employed. And as I started meeting more people, that's when I got more and more inspired. And that's actually what gave me the confidence because at first I was like, oh, I need a certification or I need to, you know, take a financial therapy course or, you know, before I can offer my services mm -hmm. or before I can hold space. And then I realized that that wasn't the case. That was conditioning of, you know, wanting a degree or wanting some sort of credential to fall back on instead of putting myself out there. 
yes. and trying. Absolutely. And also, yeah, your journey already, all the wisdom that you carry because you went through that yourself is so valuable. And it's like literally your soul just being like, hello, so here's the path. I'll, I just outlined it for you. You just have to walk it and then you can give it to others. And I literally wrote a post about that this morning about the certifications and how we all think like, oh, well, I better go to someone else to teach me because then I will be seen as the expert and are actually valid to share my wisdom and all of that. So that is really interesting, totally. Okay, additionally, I wanted to ask to just get a little bit more specific because I'm actually curious what you, when you say you were meditating a lot and visualizing and figuring out what you wanted, what that was specifically and what a practice and financial healing um, related to maybe meditation, visualization, movement, yoga, and all that looks like. Yeah, so for visualization this is this is where it started for me because it kind of focused my mind it gave me something um to really like a storyline to to really follow so what i started doing is simply just in my mind and sometimes i would journal this but sometimes it would just be a visualization i would just sit and picture i would go walk through an entire day living my most abundant life so from the minute i woke up to the minute i went to bed what was I doing? Who was I engaging with? Where was my energy going? Where, where were my resources going? And the more specific I could get, the more aligned it would feel. I, I would either feel whether certain things were aligned or not. So this was all, this was um, a lot of experimentation because I was still, like I said, learning what I wanted. Like I, I didn't know. So some days I did this as a daily practice at first. Some days, you know, I'd envision myself driving this car or living in this house and kind of seeing like trying things on and feeling feeling into how those fit. And after doing that for even just a week, I got so much clearer on what actually was, what an abundant life actually looked like to me. And this is where the intentionality comes in because I think a lot of times, I've noticed with myself, with clients, it's easy to say, you know, for me to feel abundant, I need to make a million dollars a year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that's seems like a stretch goal for a lot of us. But then when you do this exercise and you do this visualization, and so my next step is after I did that, I kind of just jotted things down in an Excel. I love Excel. And I just threw some numbers at them. And I realized that I didn't need to be making a million dollars. What my life, my most abundant life, you know, I need to be making closer to 200,000. So that's a significant difference. And even just realizing that alone open just caused so much openness in my body, in my mind. And I think a lot of times when we're not intentional about it, we'll just think that we need so much more than we do. So that's one of the practices that I, I come back to visualizing. I think it's also called future self-pacing. Mm -hmm. So where you're just going through as if that's your life. Also in doing that, you know, I'm sending out as I'm getting clearer and clearer, I'm sending out to the universe, like, this is what I'm looking for. So that's, you know, manifesting too. Um, in terms of 
yoga, I just noticed that there would be days where I, I would go sit down for the visualization or I'd go sit down to, to journal and I just wasn't inspired or I was just blocked. And I was like, okay, I probably need some movement. So I would do yoga or I would dance. Um, just some sort of movement had become a practice of mine. So something to just get the energy moving because sometimes I just noticed that I, I had blocks. Um, and so the yoga is more informal, but um, mm-hmm. also money, money traumas are, can be really related to the root chakra. So there can be a lot of, there's a lot of poses and things that, you know, once you're practicing yoga, you realize, you know, I'm going to do this so that I can tap into my root chakra. Um, I can tell that there's a block there today. I'm going to do this pose and I'm going to, you know, kind of open that up. And that would manifest in the hip area. Hip area. Mm -hmm. Yep. Interesting. Also interesting that you mentioned dance because dance is such a feminine practice and it's really your sacral, which is like creation. So not only creativity and sexuality, but also just creating those visions and sending up an energy through the flow and movement. That is really beautiful. I also wondered about the meditation that you shared and that you would then kind of like have a an Excel and throw in numbers. Is it that you envisioned what your most abundant life would look like? And that would not even only like have to be money-wise, right? But um, just seeing those things, maybe a house and a car, and then you would think about, then you would bring in back your rational mind and then think about, yeah, how much money would I actually need to embody that? Is that correct? Yes, definitely. Um, I have this sort of duality that always comes into play because with, with feminine and masculine. And I noticed that with, with my financial healing, because I came from this very like masculine background of money and I've really infused it with the feminine. So that's kind of like one of the exercises where I like both. Sometimes I'm like, there's no place for the masculine right now. A lot of times with the healing, we're really just diving into the feminine and we kind of want to keep the masculine out, but this is further on in my journey when I'm ready to invite that back in. And, um, sometimes too, with like budgeting and things like that, those are masculine, but you know, I use those on my, on my journey as well. So yeah, I like to, I, I invited it back in for the purpose of, you know, just having, gaining some clarity around what, what it would look like if I wanted to live this life and, you know, how I would support that and what monetarily that would look like. Mm-hmm. I think that's so beautiful because it actually brings it back into a tangible world because we're still existing not in our thoughts in our visualizations but still in this earth plane so bringing it back in and being like okay how can I actually do that or else we might get lost in that vision and be like oh well that's just a vision I can't even attain that or who knows when and all that that could also be a thing right you maybe have that vision but you think like it's so far away that you don't actually take the steps to um, start embodying it yes that's so lovely one more aspect too which came up earlier um, because you just mentioned masculine feminine I 
you are working with women primarily, right? I am, yes. Because I wondered whether there were differences in money wounds and mindsets and all that between men and women, but I suppose you have the most experience with women, hey? I do, yes. I have not taken on any clients yet um, men, that are men. And in fact, in the healing course that I was in, there were men in the financial therapy course that I was in, um, however, much fewer uh, men than women. But I would suspect that I would suspect that there are similar wounds, but I would also suspect that, you know, they have certain conditioning that was put on them because they're men of the family, supposed to be breadwinners, or at least, you know, in our parents' era, men were the breadwinners um, and things like that. I love, so I worked, the reason why I, I um, niched down to women in my financial healing is because my bookkeeping was um, women entrepreneurs. So when I did bookkeeping, I was like, okay, if I'm going to go back to accounting just to get back on my feet while I'm in this transition, I at least want to work with some companies that I feel aligned with. And I would love to work with women and help them, you know, get their business to a place where it's thriving. So and then that's, you know, kind of kickstarted me to getting into like this, the mentality and psyche of women and money and, and how we're relating or not relating. So it kind of just snowballed from there. Mm-hmm. How did it show up with these clients you had in bookkeeping where you could see that the healing went even deeper than just the numbers? One really great example was, um, so I worked with these Uh, two sisters that had a yoga studio and spa and they had they were working on their budgeting so um, they would make predictions or they would make a budget every month and then we would fill out I would fill out what they actually spent and then we would go over what the differences were and their their intentions their budgets were strong like they were rooted in their goals and what they were going to offer, but then the spending just wouldn't align. So the actuals, when those numbers came in, it just wouldn't align. And it was spending habits and patterns and um, kind of approaching certain things from, um, I think as artists and as healers, um, sometimes we're with business business can get a little tricky because there are certain rules and there's certain things that make more sense. For example, certain launches may make sense in different times of the year. For yoga, summer, people don't tend to come into the studio in the summer because of vacations, because they want to spend more time outside. So launching certain things in the summer wouldn't make as much sense as launching them in the fall or the winter when you have more people coming in. So it was certain things like that, that they would understand, but not yet know how to embody. So their spending wouldn't reflect certain trends. And um, it's almost like their impulses and their habits and patterns would take over, even though there was this goal that they were trying to reach. So that's just like one pretty simple example of like what I saw. Um, and then I had other clients that would divulge to me or, or openly tell me that they're 
personal finances were a mess too. Um, and, you know, we would talk about that. So that's, those are two, two examples of how that would show up. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's so beautiful how that all came together and how you could really tie that. And it all happened so organically, which I love. And you could experiment for yourself and like collect all these tools that helped you. And I always am such a fan of just organic development compared to, again, just going to different program certifications and be like, okay, now I'm worthy. Now I can help everyone um, often. And while there's nothing wrong with that, it just might be that the frequency is, you know, the one of the teachers and not yours. So the development of your whole business is kind of like misaligned because it's not you, it's not your essence, but it's the teacher's essence. So it can't be birthed through you because it's like carrying their baby. Like it just doesn't, it just doesn't work, right? You got to birth your own baby and can't do it for someone else. <laughs> yes, totally. And I at first was going to call my offering financial therapy, but I'm not a therapist. I've not been trained as one. So that just like wasn't sitting well. So it actually took me some time to just sit with it and sit with, you know, who I was holding space for and what we were going to do before I came up with financial healing as, you know, what I wanted to call, call my offering. So yeah, I had that own experience of how am, how am I going to make this my own? Or how is this going to reflect my true intention for, you know, how I want to help people or how I want to hold space? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And when you come back to, maybe to wrap this up a little bit, to see how when you would describe you're now after all this healing and the work that you have done with other people and all that, in a nutshell, if you would describe your money beliefs or how you see money as the energy and all that and what like this overarching concept looks like like this umbrella or a huge cloud or I don't know I'm just trying to visualize it but yeah what does that look like I love this question so fundamentally as long as I can picture and this is where visualization comes in too is I've almost created a money goddess so as long as I can picture money as an energy and I can continue to develop a relationship with it that's really what's guiding me in, into my new story and that's what's kind of keeping me grounded in abundance um, so abundance is my birthright it's part of my new story it's unlimited because it's energetic it's light it's light, it's open, there's vast amounts of it. Um, also, the more connected I am to the relationship, the more open I am to the abundance. So checking in with myself and allowing myself the space and you know, doing things that keep my body, my mind, my spirit open, those are the things that are gonna keep me grounded in the abundance. So even just giving myself permission to do that um, has brought certain opportunities into my life and has guided me in certain ways that otherwise would not have been possible. And you envision money as this money goddess? Is that right? Yeah. So I like to, a lot of times when I'm having trouble connecting to my higher self, 
I picture myself as I picture my highest self as like this goddess. So I do a little visualization and I'll like my therapist taught me this. I'll plug into her. So I'll pl- like have a little plug and like plug into her energy. And then I can kind of receive that. So when I'm feeling blocked with money or um, like I'm feeling like low on those resources, I kind of do the same. And so I just kind of personalize this energy of money into something that my mind can grasp because sometimes it's a little too elusive or abstract. Mm -hmm. So I'll do a little visualization where I plug into it and then um, make a certain request. Like I'm really needing this today or you know, I've got this bill coming up that, you know, I could use help paying off or something like that. Wow. That's awesome. And how does it like, does it, is it being reflected in your earthly reality whenever you tap into that? Yes. So I did, I did a lot of practice with this and I did it with small things. So um, I had read the, the book that introduced me to relating to money as an energy. And um, the the book is called Love Money, Money Loves You. And it's a wonderful book, highly recommend it. Um, she suggests making little money requests and like practicing. So um, I remember, I think one of my first ones, and it, and it could be for anything, it could be for a pair of shoes could be a microphone for your business. It could be however important, quote unquote, important or valuable you think it is. As long as it's going to add value to your life, you can put that request out there. And so I think one of the first requests I tried was um, for a matcha latte because I love matcha. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, I have matcha at home. I tend not to go out and buy it if I have it at home. (laughs) So I was like, let me just see what happens. So in my meditation or in my visualization for that day, I kind of just threw it out there to see what would happen. And a friend sent me a Venmo just because was like thinking of you $5. (laughs) And I was like, wait, really? Could this be? And so that was, that was just like, it doesn't always happen like that. And it didn't happen that day. I think it came, uh, I want to say like four or five days later. Um, But I was like, that's, so strange and interesting and I love this and so um I try to practice with with small things or with um less significant things because then when I know then I know when I do want to call on something that's more significant or more valuable then I've already kind of been in practice and um already been relating and already been in this kind of dance with with money so you know connections will be fired up and there will be, um, those connections will already exist. Right. Yes. And it's, it's better for your mind because it has something, it, it builds that trust and knows that it's actually coming into place and that it can just rest and be like, okay, you can just chill out because then it does, it doesn't come into that spiral. Cause I feel like what also plays into that is that when we don't care and we just be are neutral about it, you know, would be nice if I would, get an extra five dollars to get a matcha but if not then I'll be fine and that's I find when there's like the most open space for any type of manifestation to come in when you really just surrender and out just like well whatever would be nice <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly 
Okay, well, this was super lovely. I am curious if, you know, people want to go and check you out or what you offer, if they want to get more into very specific money story, financial healing, where they can reach you and yes, what they could dive in with you. The best place to find me is on Instagram at Abundance Advocate. Um, and then on there, I next week, next Wednesday, I'm going to be having hosting um, my first monthly healing circle. I've done healing circles for friends, but hosting my own and I'm going to have them monthly. So um, there's a little link in my bio with a couple of my offerings and that's on there. So if you want to join me for that, I'm really excited. I love, love, love healing circles and the energy that's created in them. So that'll be next week. But other than that, you can also on Abundance Advocate, my Instagram page, you can check out my website. I offer one-on-one -on -one healing sessions. So you can find information all about that on there. Wonderful. I signed up for that healing circle because I feel I could already tap into that energy and it's just so nice and cozy already. I, I just love it. Amazing. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you there. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share something that you feel like hasn't been expressed and you're, you know, keen to do and yeah, just anything that has come up for you? Um, I would just like to leave the listeners with, um, the challenge of sitting down and, and doing the visualization that, you know, I spoke about the future self-pacing and, just allowing your mind freedom to go wild. And, um, you know, it doesn't have to be rooted in realism and it can be just a really fun exercise um, and just see where your mind goes. Because if you give yourself that permission and space, it may go to some places that you've never really thought of. So um, yeah, just sit down, give yourself some time and walk through your your most abundant day. And I, I think that that's going to, bring a lot of hope and inspiration into your, maybe just your day, but also it may carry through your week or your month. And um, it can be a really fun exercise. It sounds so fun and playful. I love that because there's no attachment. It's just like experiment with it, play with it, be with it. Try it on. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Love that. That's so beautiful. Okay. Well, Generally, I love this conversation. So just nice and cozy and exactly what the intention is for this podcast. So thank you so much for having been here with us and being my first guest actually. So that's pretty special too. And yeah, I hope everyone enjoyed the conversation and I will see maybe some of you in the healing circle. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Selena. Take <laughs> care. Take care. Bye. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening again. I would definitely recommend checking Jesse's offers out. You can read all about it in the show notes. I will just add in the links and hope you have a lovely day. Bye.